This is my tribe. 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 tribe. What's up? Welcome to the Tribe Night Messages podcast. Tribe Night is for students who are curious about faith and eager to discover how a relationship with Jesus could change their lives, their schools, and the heartland. For more information, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at cstone.students or text tribe to 94000. Hope you enjoy the message. Well, tonight we're doing things a little bit differently. So, um, as you guys know, we sent out some messages this week. If you haven't got our messages, go on our Instagram, and there's a 217 number you can text, and then you can get our uh, weekly messages, like, so you can know things like this. So, I'm going to ask all of our uh, leaders to come up, or not all of our leaders, but leaders to come up and uh, get your stool, I guess. Um, but we have, we're doing a Q&A tonight. Do you guys know what a Q&A is? <laughs> questions and answers. So, you guys have sent a bunch of really good questions in, and we're going to do our best to answer them and see where God leads them, try to line them up with Scripture, and uh, just really see where God's leading us in this. So, we thank you for sending the questions, and uh, we are super excited to do this, and we don't get to do things like this often, so we are just so thankful that you guys uh, gave us the opportunity to do it. And we'll start off with presenting our names, and I guess we can do what? If we could pick one character from a movie or TV show, who would it be? And I'll start with that. So my name is Luke Thompson, and if I could pick one movie character to be, it would have to be Tony Stark. Yeah. Yeah. I love the the Avengers movies, and Tony Stark is my favorite, so R.I.P. Yeah. Talk about spoilers. I have not seen The Last Avengers because my life is a little chaotic. Um, thank you. Thank you. I'm mourning now. I'm Tivo, um, just in case you're wondering. Um, my fav- not favorite, what am I answering? Favorite movie character or TV show character? Who would you like to be? Um, hmm. Interesting. Hmm. I would say Say you're. I'm not doing that one. I would say my favorite superhero would be Spider-Man. Yeah. So I guess I would say Spider-Man. I'm Chesney, and I would probably be Amy Santiago from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Everybody, I'm Jared, and uh, this is a surprise. I didn't realize we had to uh, come up with a, uh, a character. So I'm gonna pick Superman because Superman can do everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Luana, and I don't know stars by name, so it would just be me. Yeah. <laughs> My name's Austin, and uh, I also like Peter Parker, Tebow. Um, but yeah, I don't want to do that, so I will be Ron Swanson. Yeah. Um, Parks and Rec. Yeah. I, I, Ron Swanson. Well, 
close second. Love that guy. I want to kind of be like him, you know, like everything he does, woodworking, eating meat all the time. All yeah. baking. Yeah. All, all the baking. <laughs> Hating people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, to, I guess, get a little bit more serious, but we're going to try to keep things light, but we just want to answer these questions to the best of our ability. So, tonight is, uh, start off with the first question is, how can I always think like Jesus, and how can I get myself to read my Bible more? Uh, I'll start off with this one, but don't anyone be afraid? Don't be afraid to take off with the question if you feel led to. So for me to think like Jesus, uh, I, I, it comes like I know it's kind of cheesy, but I always come up with like the line of "What would Jesus do?" And so we we come to that mindset of like "What would Jesus do?" And I come back to the verse of uh, the most. Do some say the most important verse is? Love your neighbor like yourself, or just love the neighbor. And so I always try to just love anyone that I come in contact with, what, who I think I should be loved like. So if that's giving them grace or caring for them. And then how can I get myself to read my Bible more? Uh, I struggle with this one. I'm sure a lot of people struggle with this one. But for me, I have to set up notifications on my phone. I have to constantly put it in my Bible in places I remember it. So like if I literally have to put it at my door and I have to like trip over, I'm like, oh yeah, I gotta read my Bible today. I will literally keep doing those things. So I have to remember, all right, I need to read my Bible. All right, I need to read my Bible because it's so important to dive in. Okay, I love what you said about um, following Jesus. And read my, I think I'm a Bible reader, and everybody that knows me that in a group with me. Um, an easy way I read it, I sit down and I actually read, I also listen to the Bible. And that is so easy. Everybody has smartphones or you have some sort of way to listen to the Bible. And sometimes I just sit there and I go word by word out of my Bible. But listening to it is amazing too. So that is, you're, you're getting fooled. I'll tag on to that. When you listen to the Bible, make sure you listen to a version that you can understand. Yeah. <laughs> Don't probably try to listen to the King James Version. Try the message or ESV, something that you can actually listen to. It's amazing if you do what Luana and Luke said, if you listen to the Old Testament, it actually really tells a story and it's awesome. And it's so easy to do, you just hit play on that. So listen to Amazon Music or iTunes, just listen to your Bible a little bit. It will do a world of good for you. I'll say uh, to think more like Jesus uh, is to go ahead and serve. To think more like him, just, just keep on serving. Uh, the people that he's guiding around and, and loving on them in that way. As far as reading your Bible, uh, just to make it a little simpler, new version, I'd say just getting in a plan. Um, just kind of following the sermon series if you're plugged in in a church. Um, just focus on what uh, over, uh, the pastors speaking on. It's here for Pastor Michael, etc. So. I would say, um, so this is from Philippians 4, 8, and so scripture actually gives us a list of things to think about. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, whatever is just, pure, lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent or anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And then what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So I think that's a pretty complete list of things that we are to think on and to meditate on. Yeah, in speaking with reading the Bible, uh, just to follow along with that, how do we know when God is speaking to us or just speaking to you personally? How, how is that? How, how do we figure that out in our lives? So, so for me, 
Now, this is, if you're getting ready to do something you shouldn't do. So what we call sin, right? We don't know what that is, right? Something we shouldn't do, uh, big or small. It's that feeling you get in your gut and you know it's wrong. You know what that is? It, it, who, does anybody know what that is? That feeling you get? What is the feeling? Regret. What'd you say? Regret. regret. It could be regret, but it, it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's talking to you. So that feeling you get, that's God. He's right there with you. Alright? So that's one way you can know that God's speaking to you is that feeling you get. I would say um, growing up in church, I always thought that like God had to like be a burning bush or God had to like do something grand to speak to me. Um, and I think it's what Jared was just saying, that little voice. So if you've ever watched Tom and Jerry, how they have like the angel and the devil, I don't think that's actually what's happening. Um, but the same kind of thing, you know, or you should know what's good and what's wrong, what you should do and what you shouldn't do. So the more that you spend time with God, the more that you read your Bible and you pray and you go to church and you follow what Philippians 4 right, said, the more you strengthen the Holy Spirit inside of you. So when those bad things come up and you're looking for um, how do I know what God wants me to do? So when I was in high school, I used to make pros and cons lists like check, yes, check, no, should, so Let's use an example of moving to Illinois. That made no sense, but it was totally odd. Um, so I literally wrote down on a sheet of paper, should we move to Illinois? Yes, no. And I listed all the great things about Illinois. And I listed all the bad things, like there's not being a Chick-fil-A. And I sometimes weigh them. Um, but then I realized that that's not necessarily how God is calling us to live our lives in this yes or no list. He's calling us to sometimes step out and do things that doesn't make sense. Like some of my friends in Alabama have no idea why we would ever move to Illinois. And when I told them we were moving here, they all said, oh, so you're moving to Chicago. I'm like, no, there's an entire state outside of Chicago. So. Um, so yeah, yeah, totally with all of that. I think on top of that too, um, a question that I always had was, I couldn't, sometimes, um, you know, when you're praying or uh, what, you know, in the middle of a sermon or whatever, the thoughts will come to you and you think, okay, is that is that God or is that maybe the enemy is trying to, you know, tear me down or say something to me or is it, maybe it's just me like getting inside my head and I'm thinking things and uh, that was just really confusing um, and so something that's helped me, um, one of my uh, people that I meet with with discipleship uh, over the years, she told me, you know, a really easy way to tell when God is speaking to you versus when the enemy is speaking to you is the enemy is always going to speak. Um, he's going to speak condemnation and hopelessness, um, depressive thoughts, anxious thoughts. And when those thoughts start rolling through your head and you feel guilty and just, ugh, uh, those are always going to be from the enemy. And But whenever God speaks to us, he speaks life over us, and he speaks hope-filled words, anxiety-relieving words. Um, and so for me, that was helpful. And so whenever I hear things, um, and, and kind of like Jared said too, like whenever you have that sense of like, ugh, you know, you just sinned or you did something or you're getting ready to do something, it's not that God will always give us these good, happy thoughts, but he might convict us. Um, the Holy Spirit will convict you, but it's never condemnation. It is conviction with a goal of repentance. And so for me, that's been like an important distinction in my walk with God. Yeah. 
very, very open. Um, it says in the Bible that where the Spirit of the Lord is, uh, there's freedom. So like Chesley said, there's no condemnation in that. And, and when the Spirit of the Lord is present, there's that freedom. Um, and there's that surrender, kind of like what Luke was talking about when, when he was talking uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, so when that, there's that surrender. Um, it's not just kind of like, you know, because there's discernment with that. But, um, yeah, just remember there's freedom in that. Um, and God speaks to us through His Word. So like I said, I'm a Bible reader, kind of. But through His Word, you, you're, you're in His Word. I mean, I, I'm going through the um, the Bible again. And then what Pastor Michael preached on today, I was like, oh, I didn't know that. But it just like, brought so much clarity to me in that. So through His Word also, through the Bible. All right, so I don't want to make this too long. So that is so, so true. And God has, so something that I see a lot in churches nowadays is people standing up and saying, God told me whatever. Um, that isn't always wrong, but we have to remember that God has already totally revealed himself through his word. And the word of God is truth. And so yeah, the truth will set you free. And so when, you know, I hear a wife and she comes to me and she says, oh, God told me, you know, I need to just divorce my husband. He's done too much wrong, whatever. God will never tell you to do something that goes against what he has said in his word. And so that's something that hopefully uh, maybe will clarify things as you're sifting through all of that. It's so hard when everybody goes by emotions and I feel like God told me this. And he will never tell you anything apart from his word. So always remember that. So let me push back. I completely agree. But if I'm like, if you're like anything like I was when I was your age, I thought to myself, okay, so I get that. God's word, God praying to God, worshiping God, listening to worship music, going to church, serving the church. God will reveal his plan to me. How do I navigate that if it's not in the Bible? So some would say the Bible's written. The Bible doesn't change. I think that's what this church believes, like the complete Bible, it's done. So if it's not divorcing my wife, if it's not having sex before marriage, if it's not cussing, but it's something simpler, how do I navigate that if it's not actually written in the Bible? Um, so I think that God will not always, you know, whatever we're expecting to hear from God, and, and I, I went through this, I didn't know what I wanted to major in for college, and maybe some of you guys are going through that, and you're like, I don't know what I want to be, there's 12,000 degrees out there, and so I prayed, and I prayed, and I'm like, Will you show me, show me what you want me to do. I went through five majors. I am a statistic. <laughs> so, but I graduate this December and I love, I love my major, but the way that I got there was taking a semester off. I felt like a failure, but that is how I got my internship um, in the worship department here and I loved it. And so that's kind of what I'm pursuing now. But I think that things in life will um, push you to where you need to go, and God will guide your steps. Um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. And so God is the one that guides our steps, and the enemy might not, you know, and you know this, like he won't in scripture say, oh yes, you should date this person. Like he'll never give us that black and white answer, but he will through his spirit and just through his sovereignty and as he is guiding us and leading us, he will guide us to our next step and he'll just take us a little bit further in our walk as long as we keep trusting him and following him. So, And I think a lot, well some, I'm, I'm the oldest person in here, um, I think a lot of our questions to God too is something that we already know and 
it's just right and wrong. So you can go far as, am I supposed to do this? Was it wrong? If it's wrong, you're not supposed to do it. And I was telling my friend, um, I went to California with her, I, and we were talking about the truth. You know, I can say, I can tell you the truth, but if it's not God's word, it's not the truth. So it's right and wrong. So God is right, Satan is wrong. You know, and I base my life on that too. Yeah, and so when, I know, uh, I know we, we always try to stay with the Bible, but when things get hard, when things get difficult, when uh, the enemy or Satan tries to come and separate, separate us from God, what, what do we do? What is something that we take a step to like not let that happen or try to do our best to stay with God? Like, What are the things that we do to just stay close to God or maybe push out Satan in those moments? What are, what are some of the things that you guys do? Um, pray and then... I love that we are back here in the church on Sundays with the youth um, because we are a tribe and if you have any problems you have to come to us. can't read your mind but that's why we're here, you know, so use us. I think it has a lot to do with your influences you have in your life. Who are you surrounding yourself with? I know uh, I've had lots of issues in the past with just maybe not being who I should be, and a lot of that has to do with who I hang around with. And even as an adult, if I let myself hang around the wrong people, I don't always act in the right way. So for me, having friends that love Jesus to hang out with that raise their kids like I raise my kids is really helpful. So the same thing goes for you is who you hang out with, who you letting over to your house, whose house are you going to, what are they into? And you know what I'm talking about. Every one of you sitting here knows what I'm talking about. So choose your friends wisely because you're going to look like your friends. So the three closest people you hang out with the most, guess what? That's what you're going to look like. So be really careful who you spend your time with. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. <clears throat> Seeking that counsel is, is really good. My own uh, pastor used to say, and I'm sure he didn't come up with it, but he said it all the time, so he gets the credit today. Show me your friends and I show you your future. And I don't think there's, I, I think there's so much value in that. Um, it's like if you hang around Tebow, you're gonna become an Alabama fan, potentially. Um, you know I have to sneak it in there at least once. Roll time. Roll time. <laughs> that concludes everything. <laughs> but on a real note, um, in those moments that I'm questioning myself or if I'm questioning what God has for me or I'm battling my mind. Um, a lot of you guys texted in questions about anxiety and depression. Um, and we're not gonna get a chance to talk about it tonight, but we're gonna come back in two weeks and we're gonna spend the entire uh, talk time talking about anxiety and depression. Um, but when those, like, I battle anxiety and depression as well, um, so you're not alone in that, so I want you to hear that, number one. Number two, the biggest thing that I've found in my life that helps with that is changing the noise that's around me. And sometimes that means you have to turn some friends off. Sometimes that means you need to unplug from social media. Don't worry, the world will not crash and burn. And sometimes what I do is just turn on some worship music. Um, I have like this playlist on Spotify that when I'm feeling those things, it's called Promises is what I named it. And it just tells me the promises that God has spoken over me and that God has told me, so. Yeah, I think it's so important to like where Jared was going with 
who we surround ourselves with. And the next question that we have is, how important is it, is it to have a mentor or a tribe leader? I know for me, is my freshman year of high school is when I had my first ever mentor. And the connection that grew between us uh, was only something that God could let happen. And he let me become a better friend. And uh, in that, I just, a be, uh, it also just a better son to my father. I learned how to respect people more. I learned how to be kind. And for me, uh, having a mentor just letting me know where I'm uh, doing wrong and also just having someone I go to confess to where I know I wouldn't be judged or there wouldn't be any harsh comments towards me and I knew I had a safe spot. And so having a mentor, I still I still have a mentor. I still go back to that same guy and speak to him and share what's going on in my heart, what God's doing. And I think having a mentor or right now having a tribe leader is so important to growth and not only your spiritual walk, but also your physical walk. So I think it's huge to have one. Um, yeah, so it's it's so important to just remember that others have gone before us and other people have more wisdom than we do. I think sometimes, um, I know like for me personally, I, I deal with pride. Um, I have thought of myself as being better than other people around me or oh, I'm doing better than so-and-so. And so it's, an, it's a way that we can actively pursue humility in our lives is to um, be under the mentorship of somebody else and learn from them. Um, and then also like, in scripture, we see Paul and Timothy. Was, it was a really good picture of um, Tim, or Paul discipled Timothy and taught him lots of things. That's what First and Second Timothy are. Um, so if you want to learn about discipleship, those are great books. Um, but Titus 2, uh, Titus was also under uh, Paul. Is that right? Titus is under Paul. Yeah, that's right. Oh, sorry. Okay. Got it confused. Um, <laughs> Everybody's under Paul. I'm kidding. Um, but Titus 2 talks about older men and women teaching younger men and women so that's a good chapter as well if you want like specifics on that titus 2 um but it's just it's so it's so important uh, to yeah just always going back to who you're around um so if you can have that wise christ following person in your life who can teach you it's so important this is kind of a truth problem for you but who in here was born before 2000 anybody couple of you guys? Alright, so you guys that weren't born before 2000, do you think there was a world that existed before the year 2000? No, you don't think so. Wow. I promise there was. I was there. So, the point of it is you don't know everything. Okay? Quit acting like you do. When your parents try to help you out, it's because they know more than you. I know it may not seem like it. Oh, Dad, you don't know. Or, Mom, you don't have any idea. They do. They were your age at one time. And guess what? They had the same issues and same problems. Okay, so take a deep breath. Listen to the people around you. If your parents are there and they're trying to help you, they're doing it for a reason. Because why? That they love you, right? Okay. So just, I know you're a teenager, and when I was 16, I remember telling my mom, like, Mom, I know how to drive better than you do. Quit trying to help me out. <laughs> Two weeks later, T-bone, bam. So, she was just telling me, Jared, be careful, you're driving too fast. I'm like, Mom, you don't know what you're talking about. She does know what she's talking about. Now, you won't get that until you're probably 25, but just promise me, they know what they're talking about. Um, uh, Luke said it, uh, accountability. We all need accountability. I'm 50-something years old, and I still need accountability. 
you know, I have to have accountability and, I mean, for everything. So, accountability. And Jesus had his disciples. So he, he, did, he did this. He walked this. The disciples walked this. So we have to. Are you laughing at me down there? We're just relational creatures, really. I mean, general. So, knowing that your friends aren't always going to have the answers, your parents don't always have the answers because it's not what you want to hear, typically. Um, and just knowing that having a, a tribe group leader or a small group leader um, are, are there to push you, are there to uh, literally grow you in your walk with Christ and, and make sure that you're taking it serious in all aspects of your life. And there's humbleness in that. Um, and it's good to know that, that God's got your favor because he's put them in your life. So Pastor Michael talked about this last week um, with the athletes. How many of you in here play a sport or do something sports maybe um, you do theater, or you're in the band, or you're a, dan a dancer, or a gymnastics, or something extracurricular. Awesome. So put your hands down. The sport that you're playing, more than likely, you're being coached by someone that's more times than not, not always the case, better than you are currently, or has more experience than you. So I think it's an interesting concept that if we follow our coaches in the sports world, why don't we think that we need to find a coach or a mentor in our spiritual world? For example, Simone Biles, the gymnast, one of the most decorated gymnasts ever now, she didn't get to where she got to because she was prideful and she said, I'm just gonna go practice, I don't even know what gymnasts do, somersaults and backhand springs and tucks and floor dance routines. Um, like she was in the gym, she was being coached by the best of the best, so if you want to be the best, spiritually, I think you have to find someone that knows more than you do. And I think no matter what your age is, that there's always someone that's further along in the journey than you are. Yeah, and in that, so say I am trying to get better, like I'm with a mentor, and I am being more respectful of my parents, but I keep coming back to a point where I'm just messing up, and it's, I figured out it's my friends. My friends are uh, screwing me up. They're uh, when I'm around them, I want to act up. I want to sin more. Just things are not uh, like me or like God. How do I separate away from those friends and without sounding like a jerk, you know, or without representing God badly? How do I represent myself, uh, represent God, and just almost get out of that friend group? How is that? How do I quit a friend group almost? Definitely got to. Uh... Look at that as it is. If it's like, consider quote unquote bad people that you're hanging out with, your friends are just up to the things that you know aren't any good, uh, see why that you would maybe consider it bad and shake that salt and shine that light. That was like, um, that is always great because they are human too. And, and so um, if they're truly your friend, then listen. If not, um, know that God's got a spot for you. And that um, even Elijah, many people in the Bible, like, I mean, they'd get quiet. And uh, um, not isolate, but get by themselves with God a little bit, and know that's okay. Um, separate yourself from friends and maybe you know aren't chasing the things that God's called you to. Um, I think too. Uh, well, prayer. You can pray and you can ask God. You know, how do I separate myself from them without being a jerk? And I think God will honor that. I've done that before, and it. 
I mean, they didn't, they, they, they don't say I'm a jerk. Um, they don't act like I'm a jerk, you know, when I see them. So you can pray and you can ask God. And I, um, I say that too because I pray over my three kids that are in the house right, right now, Vincent, Marley, and Alonzo, that if they don't have the friend that God wants them to have, if they're, if they're around bad company, that God would separate them. So you can ask God to separate you from that, the friends and ask God to do it. Because God's not a mean, vicious God. He's not going to just like, you know, like do bad things. So he'll, he'll separate you. And, and then in, in that, maybe your friends will be like, well, I like hanging around Luana, but, you know, maybe I need to change some of my ways. And maybe they'll come back and ask me to help them out, in, you know, in the long run. So um, part was the second half, like how can I witness to my friends with that? Um, so this is something that I I really, really struggled with whenever I was in high school. Um, I was not in the cool crowd, like not even a little bit. And so, um, but part of me still was just, I was so afraid, like I was so afraid to say anything about it, um, to even mention, not that I was a Christian, but to talk about God. Um, it's really easy to talk about what church you go to and own a youth group tonight or tribe nine student ministry. Sorry, and we don't call it youth group anymore. But um, we're doing this, we're doing that. We can talk about events, but to talk to somebody about God, to talk to him, uh, to talk to him about his faithfulness or his goodness or what he's doing in my life, that was hard for me. And I think part of part of me wants to say, oh, that's normal. That you know, that's just part of whatever. But. There was something that happened uh, in my life, like early college, um, and I, it's, it's still a process for me, I'm still working on this, but um, there was a point in my walk where I really fell in love with Jesus. Like, he wasn't an idea, he wasn't um, an event that I attended, he wasn't uh, something that I felt in the room whenever we went to church. He was my friend, and he was somebody that I talked to on a daily basis, and I knew how much he loved me. Um, in some ways, in some ways I'm still learning just how, how much he really loves us. Um, but I think part of it is just when you really understand it, when you really believe it, it's something that will overflow and it will flow out of you into conversations that you have and people that you talk to, um, Christians and non-Christians. I know Christians are so bad at this. We can go all day. God will never come up in our conversations, you know, and it should just be a regular part of our speech. Like, hey, what's God doing in your life? You know, when's the last time you asked one of your Christian friends, like, hey, uh, where are you reading scripture right now? What's God been speaking to you? And I think that's so important to practice it with your Christian friends and then take that and it will overflow when you're talking to unbelievers. And then, yeah, like Moana was saying, when somebody has an issue, they will come to you and they'll say, hey, I know we're not like super close, but like I heard, you know, you talk about you believe in God, whatever. Can you like pray for me? Can you do that? Is that a thing? can ask for you know and you'll be like yes of course I will pray for you you know so we're the people that we want others to be attracted to um, Jesus hung out with the sinners and the rejects of society but he did not let them affect him he still was perfect and holy his entire life lived a perfect life um, and so they did not rub off on Jesus but he sure rubbed off on them and so when you are true and when you are authentic real in your faith, that is what's going to attract the people around you. So I think to add on to that, what's very important that I don't want you to miss what she just said. 
So while Jesus did hang out with people that people in churches or in the synagogues would say were not great people, at the same time, Jesus had his 12 disciples, and inside of that 12 disciples, he had his three closest disciples that he was mentoring and had accountability with. For me, this one was one that I struggled with in high school. How do I detach from friends that don't have the same aspirations or the same view on life? I think it's a very fine line, um, and I have lived it, and so I know it's not easy, but I will say this. The moment everything changed for me was when I decided that I wasn't going to allow my friends to be the reason that I miss heaven. So if the friend group that you're hanging out with is not building you up, if they're not making you more like Christ, they're tearing you down. There's no middle ground to it. It's either they're building you up or they're tearing you down. Like I think it, it's literally that simple. Um, now, that doesn't make it any easier because humans are humans and we have natural connections with people that we like, but either they're building you up or they're tearing you down. And there's places for those people that are tearing you down in your life, but that doesn't mean they need to be your best friends, that doesn't mean they need to be the closest ones to you type of thing. Um, all of this also shifted probably a year and a half ago, someone asked me the question, if you were on your deathbed and you're in an average-sized hospital room in America, there's about room for seven to eight people to be around your deathbed. And I didn't think about it. I was in the room when my grandfather passed away, and there was literally like eight of us. And the question they asked me was, who is going to be around your deathbed? Is it going to be the people that you have the most fun with? Is it going to be the people that are tearing you down? Or is it going to be the people that you literally want to spend the last moments on earth with because they're pointing you to what's next, they're pointing you to Jesus. And my youth pastor used to do this illustration um, where he would stand on this chair and he would have kids come up to him and be like, get on the chair with me or pull me off the chair. And the whole illustration pointed to the fact that if you are the light, you are the Christian, if you profess Christ to be your Lord and your Savior in your friend group, it's always easier for them to pull you off the chair than it is for you to pull them up on the chair. Unless there are more than one of you in your friend group and y'all are going after one person to pull them up. So think image in your head, someone hanging off the side of a cliff and it's easier to pull up with three than it is for you to pull up or for three people to pull you down. Or it's easier for three people. Yeah, you get it. Yeah. Yeah, and to be honest with my own life in college, I had two friend, two friend groups that were completely separate. I had one friend that I went out and partied with and I had the one friend that I went and went to church with, had a small group with, and uh, took just a lot of my uh, sins to and opened up to them with them. And those people were the ones constantly checking on me. Those people were the ones that I laughed with, that I cried with, that actually cared for me. The people that I partied with, they just cared about a good time. They just cared about that happiness or uh, time that was not everlasting. But the people that I kept around that were good Christian people, those were the people that actually cared about my heart, actually cared where I was going in life. And those were people that were constantly speaking into me and helping me lead a better Christian life. And those, they were, I, I, I still speak to them. And even though there were, you know, I'm in Illinois and they're in uh, Michigan or Florida, I still speak to them weekly because those are people that are constantly wondering what's going on in my life, what's God doing, and they are so important. They're probably the building blocks of what uh, Christianity really was to me. So, yeah. Okay, and don't be just like a 
jerk about it because you're still, you, your light is shining. So you don't want to say, oh, that Christian, they think they're better than me. And then they just not want to ever have anything to do with Christ ever again. Like I said, pray. Just pray and ask God. And then just continue to let your light shine. Don't be a jerk because Jesus is not a jerk. Amen. Jesus is not a jerk. I have songs in my head. Sure. 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 Yeah. Anyways, sorry. Uh, so, uh, this question doesn't really go with it, but it's so important. Does being baptized, is that important for Christianity? Does it make us a Christian with that? Is baptizing, but what, where does baptizing, baptizing, baptism play in the role of Christianity? So, essentially, you're asking, is salvation and baptism the same thing? Yes. Okay, so um, he kind of asked two different questions. Um, the first one, like salvation, your salvation is not based on whether or not you're baptized. If you profess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, the Son of, Son, Son of God, um, you will be saved. So that's what scripture very clearly tells us. Uh, Tivo brought up the example in, where did we decide? Luke 23, right? Of the thief on the cross, and Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. He did not come off the cross and get baptized, you know. So, uh, so no, it's not required for salvation. However, um, in, in uh, the Christian faith, we have sacraments, and so we have two. We have baptism and communion, and they are both things that are not required for salvation, but they build up our faith. And they help us celebrate um, our existing salvation that we have. And so baptism, um, you know, wherever you go into the water, is you dying with Christ. So, uh, where is it? Yeah, Colossians 2.12 literally says, Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And so, you know, when you come up out of the water, it's a representation that you are raised with Christ and you are not who you used to be, that you're a new uh, creation. So it's a representation, but it's still the second question was like, is it important? Yes, I believe it's it's important that you're publicly professing your faith to your friends and your family. So. Yeah, I agree. Uh, now you can run into different opinions here. There's lots of uh, different uh, sects of Christianity that would believe that baptism is an integral part of that saving power. But uh, faith in Jesus is what justifies us. That faith that we have, that Jesus died, he lived perfectly, rose again. You believe that, you're saved. But that saving is a process. So um, just looking at this question, I love John Piper, so I think John Piper puts it this way. John Piper says that uh, baptism follows, and preferably follows soon. It's an outward expression of that inward reality. So it's proof to the world that you truly believe that Jesus is who he says he is. They live perfectly and die for you. Almost like want to. So when you're saved, you're just kind of like you really want to say it. So you really want to just put it out there saying, yeah, I'm a believer. And you've got to have a family. And so this goes part of that surrender. Right. So the want to. So one of uh, my mentors always compared baptism in the church to a person getting married. And once you're married in the marriage ceremony, you exchange rings. When people see this ring, they know that I'm married. Um, if they know me, they know my wife's name is Tamara. If I take the ring off, it doesn't mean that I'm not married. It's just an outward expression of me and Tamara's relationship. And so that's what baptism is. And it's that outward expression of what God has done inside your life. That's really good. I like that. 
Um, and going back to relationships, uh, just to kind of, we're kind of slowly ending this, but in relationships, what does a Christian relationship look like? Like boyfriend, girlfriend. What what should a, uh, a good Christian relationship from God look like? I know some. I know for me, uh, it's something that I had no idea about until probably my junior year of college, until someone actually sat me down and was like, this is, like all your relationships are pointless. Like you don't know what you're doing and they're not from God and you're basically just running, running around like a chicken with your head cut off. So what I think a Christian relationship is between a, a man and female is when you're both searching God, but you're kind of running that race together. And you get to talk with one another about God. You get to, uh, you get to almost just live life, but as separates. And you get to um, try to find the words, but it's. I think it's one of the purest relationships you can have when it's good and when it's from God. But when it's not, when it's not pure, it can be the one that can take you down the most. So in a Christian relationship, I think if you're finding God in that, and the other person's also finding God in that, you will do well. And the best relationship I've ever had is when two people are finding God in their own lives. Sometimes God's grace shows up. So my story, one of my favorite stories I love to tell is uh, my wife, Elizabeth, which she's awesome. If you don't know Elizabeth, she's awesome. So um, I was not the type of guy just looking to be married. or But long story short, Elizabeth showed up in my life. And as we get to talking about, she had been praying her whole life for God to bring someone to her. And for her, to me, she's got the proof of a God, and he has grace for me through her. Because she radically changed my life, and uh, I have her to thank for that. So, what I would encourage you—I know sometimes when you're 14 years old, you're like, "What do I need to be praying about?" That's something you can be praying about right now. Okay, who does God have for you? What's His plan for you? You, each—I didn't do it. I'm not. This isn't—I didn't do it, but she did. And so, I would encourage you to pray for that perfect person that God has in store for you. He's got a plan for your life. You'd be praying for it. Okay, I'm old school. Oh, get it? Old school? Okay, so me, I didn't have that. Um, I didn't have someone telling me how what it looked like to have a relationship with um, my first boyfriend. Um, so I'm just me, and I've been married for 28 years, so uh, I think, and this is what I want, this is what I wanted for all my kids, and it didn't happen for all my kids. Pray, ask God, and I'm praying for uh, Tyrese, I mean Tyrese, Vincent, Marley, and Alonzo, that God brings them to their spouse. And I tell Vincent, you need to pray because I don't want my kids just dating anybody because that can mess you up, that can mess, or that can mess them up. And, and you just really have to be careful. And just like um, Luke was saying that it's, it should be God first, and if y'all are seeking God together, and not that you have to get married at 14 years old, but there are people that have high school sweethearts or college sweethearts, and they love God all their life, and they went through this process, and it was absolutely amazing. I know, um, what's his name? Uh, Nathan. Nathan and Tia, for a big example, they never kissed until they got on their marriage night when they got married. That's how I think it should be. That's... <laughs> That's how it should be, really. I mean, because I can tell y'all some stuff, and I'm not going to because y'all probably fall out. 
But um, that, it, keep your hands to yourself. Um, respect the young lady because if you're touching her, you're holding hands, and all of you don't get on into all this. But keep your hands to yourself. You know, it just makes me like it. Keep your hands to yourself. <laughs> and and if you want to hold her hand, put the Bible. You have to hold the Bible together. Walk alongside each other. Spirit, we're making this biblical place. It's not just parental uh, harping or anything like that. This is biblical. Uh, fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Think before you act. Simply put, self-control is thinking before you're acting. Not just repercussions, but knowing that God sees you right now, loves you right now. Um, God plans for you to prosper. And he and he's a, a wonderful guy too. So Elizabeth got a wonderful husband. I wasn't always very powerful, so. Well, well, he did. He did. So, I mean, and, and, and praying and asking God for that faith works. I mean, I got my husband, and the reason why I'm saved right now, it might have took a lot longer, is because he told God, as soon as he gave his wife, he'd come back. He would come back to God. And that's what he did. And that's why I'm here. Praise God. One thing that they always mentioned was um, a successful relationship is not uh, not based on whether you end up getting married or not. It is when you both decide whether you are right for each other. And so Nathan and Tia, they're a little more, you know, logical, kind of dry. If you guys know what the Enneagram is, they're both ones. So anyway, if that means anything to you. Um, anyway, but they, uh, they're very cut and dry. And so like they, at the beginning of their relationship, said we're not going to, yeah, like we're not going to hold hands, we're not going to kiss or any of that. Um, whenever he kissed her on the forehead as she was leaving six months into their uh, dating relationship, she called her dad because she was freaking out. She's like, Daddy, she, he's like, it's fine, it's a kiss on the forehead, you know. So um, they're just, they're funny. But that's what they said at the beginning was like, hey, we're, we're going to pursue Christ together. Um, we're going to court, that's what that's called is courting whenever you're not super physically involved. And he always had a nice court with you. Um, so it's a, it's a little bit extreme. I don't think every relationship has to be that way. That's not how my husband and I dated and, and got married. Um, but I think that's a valuable thing to look at it and say, you know, even if we break up, it's okay. Um, I think whenever we sit and we wallow in a breakup, we have idolized that relationship. I think there's sadness that comes with it. I've, I had a breakup when I was 16 or whatever. Um, it was very sad and, and all of that. But... Um, you know, I, I think that there's a point where you have idolized the relationship and placed it higher uh, of a priority than it needed to be. Um, and so, yeah, but my husband and I, we started dating at 17, um, got engaged at 18, got married at 20. It was 
crazy, um, but I wouldn't change anything about it. But that's something that we struggled with, was the sexual purity side of it. Um, and thank God, literally, um, we didn't go too far before we were married. Um, by His grace, we waited, and it was, you know, a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing to wait until you are married. But I know we're not going into all of that. Um, but I just, I think that's important. I think cultural culture places this pressure on you guys, like it's okay, there's the Tinder culture and all this kind of stuff where you can just swipe and if you like somebody or if you don't like somebody, it's so like flippant. Uh, but pursuing somebody and making sure that you are guarding their heart in the process and your own is so important. So, so important. Awesome, so we're actually gonna end on this question. Um, so I'll close it out and I'll pray and we'll worship a little more and you guys can be free. Um, this topic in particular, we are going to come back and tackle um, the, because the way the question that was sent in was phrased was how far is too far. Um, and with middle schoolers in the room, we're not going to deep dive into that. So we will come back um, and talk about it, middle school and high school separately. But one thing I do want you to know and what I want you to wrestle with is a lot of I think everyone on this stage has various degrees of how we look at this particular situation. Because not every person is the same. Um, and this is one of those things like the Bible is clear on how we should treat each other. Um, the Bible is also clear on the stance of sex outside of the confines of marriage. Without deep diving into words that some sixth graders in this room might not know. The Bible does not go into great details of all things involving sexual purity and sexual intimacy. And so, while even all of us on this stage may not agree that this is too far, that's too far, I would say to the person that asked that question, or if you're wrestling with that question in your relationship, the moment that you ask how far is too far, the relationship is potentially toxic. Because the moment that you ask that question, the relationship is no longer about God. The relationship is about how can I, as a male, or how can she, as a female, and I'm going to use a word that might make you feel icky, get pleasure out of this relationship, but not sin. So if that's what you're wrestling with, the Bible tells us if we look at a person, if we look at a woman, if a woman looks at a man and we lust after that person, in our mind, we've already committed adultery. So if that's what you're wrestling with, I would say be very, very, very careful. And I'm going to end it with this. Um, the person that you're dating right now may or may not be your wife or your husband. You may be dating someone else's wife or husband. The person that you're dating or you're talking to or whatever the terminology you want to use is someone's daughter, someone's son, eventually maybe someone's mom, someone's father. Right now, there's no spiritual connection binding you to that person, so you have to be careful with their soul. And so we're going to come back and we're going to talk about this because I don't want to just boil it down to don't have sex before you're married because y'all hear that a lot. But there are literally reasons behind while some people, me and Tamara held hands, it wasn't an issue for us, some people holding hands will very quickly lead down a slippery slope into something else. 
And so it's about putting up boundaries. It's about making sure that you individually, like Luke said, are seeking Christ, and then together you're seeking Christ. But even in that, since your souls are not tied in marriage, there's only so much seeking Christ together that you can do before it becomes unhealthy. Because like I said, that person may not be your future spouse. Which I know at the age of 16, you all might think that you have found your wife. Um, and some people that works out for, some people it doesn't. Um, so, as we get ready to go back into worship, I want you to give these guys a huge round of applause. <laughs> So as we get ready to transition, um, there are a lot of questions that we didn't get to talk about tonight, and we're going to come back and we're going to answer some more of these questions. And like I said, a lot of you text in questions about how do I deal with depression, how do I deal with anxiety, and I want you to know if that's something that you're battling with and you can't wait two weeks to hear the answer to it, come find me or Luke or one of these leaders in the room before you leave, because um, I've been there for and I can tell you that it's not something that is worth battling alone. Um, so if you guys would stand, I'm actually going to pray for us all. Because I think if we all think about it, at times we battle anxiety at various times. Whether it's anxiety about tests, anxiety about the future. So I'm just going to pray that as we go through this week, um, that we'll just set our minds on Christ and all the questions that we're asked. And the ones that we didn't get to, if you ask a question, don't worry. We'll answer it before this series is over. So if you guys will pray with me. God, I thank you for everything that you're doing. I thank you for all my friends in this room. I thank you for giving them the boldness to text in some tough questions. I thank you for a church that allows us to gather um, and to worship you and to seek your face in everything that we do. I pray that as we go throughout this week, as we enter into a tough season um, of the semester nearing an end um, that you would just help us guard our minds that when anxious thoughts come that we'll turn on worship music that we'll pray that we'll read our bible that we'll reach out to friends that care about us i pray that um, your holy spirit will comfort those in this room um, that are dealing with tough issues things that if they were to tell us that we would just sit there and cry with them I pray that you provide comfort. I pray that you provide peace. And I pray that as we get ready to go back into worship, that you would just show us that you care about us so deeply that you sent your only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sin. 